let's talk about the foundation of the Lord. This is part four, and um, I thought Christ, glory, and honor is what I want to talk about. Jesus Christ, who is filled with glory and honor. Uh, the purpose of these messages is to uh, share with you who you are in Christ, what God has given to you, what he has done for you. And as we often say, what God has done for you can never be undone. And when you know that, you will walk with a degree of confidence through life, not uh, falling into panic every time something negative happens. I mean, now we, we may just be bothered about something and go to God, but we're not feeling hopeless because for us to live is Christ and to die is gain. That means we, we live for Christ in a, with a winning attitude, and when we die, we win. Amen. Amen. Some of you are not convinced of that. And, and 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19, uh, the Scripture says, Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands. Now notice that. It says it stands, having this seal, the Lord knows those who are his. And so God knows that you belong to him. What we want you to do is, is to get into the frame of mind that God knows that you belong to him, and you know you belong to him. You know you belong to him. And there are some blessings that come to you, even though you may have difficulties or problems, there are blessings that come to you that can never be denied. They can never be denied. And I want you to be uh, thoroughly familiar with those. The foundation on whom we are built is powerful, victorious, and glorious. Uh, that is this amazing foundation on whom we are built. Now, normally, uh, English grammar would say, uh, on which we are built, but we are not talking about something that is inanimate. We are talking about the eternal life himself. And uh, you are built on this eternal life. As a matter of fact, uh, Paul teaches us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, <clears throat> that you and I are created in Christ Jesus. Now, when you say that, if you have aches and pains, you may think something like, well, I don't know about that. But it's the truth, regardless of how I feel. It is the truth, regardless of what I see. So when I know that, I will approach life differently than those who are ignorant of the truth of God. In Hebrews chapter 2, uh, I would like to begin in verse 5, talking about Christ, glory and honor, glory and honor. When we, when we talked about um, you and I building on, on this foundation of the apostles and prophets, that is the foundation of Jesus Christ, we build on it, we must build on it with eternal things. And, and Paul equates gold, silver, and precious stones with that which is eternal. <clears throat> and so you and I need to we need to build upon this in an eternal way. Uh, I, I think I, I was, for some reason, I got a little pop-up on my Facebook, and it said something like um, that, that those who, let me get it right. He was saying that uh, life is short, you know, like, uh, like uh, live, live it up. Like you've heard that life is short, like live it up. He said, but eternity is long, you need to prepare for it. 
I, I thought that was pretty good. Some Christian obviously put that out. Eternity is long, so prepare for it. It's not like life is short, okay, let's live it up. Eternity is long. And so the, we are, eternity for us is, is a certainty. I believe that. It is a certainty for those of us who have given faith, given our faith to Jesus. We have believed in him, and then when we believed in him, he came into our hearts. He's not going to leave. But, but what kind of, of blessing will you be to the throne of God, to the glory of God throughout eternity if you live a useless life? In verse 5 of Hebrews chapter 2, he says, For he has not put the world to come, of which we speak in subjection to angels. And Paul is obviously talking to the Corinthians because they are enamored with angels and they are preaching and teaching some heresy about angelic worship and that the world to come is uh, it's not going to be anything uh, bodily resurrection. That's, it's, not, it's just going to be a spirit. A spiritual thing, a spirit thing, and uh, the angels are going to be in charge, and, and, and so let's just salute these angels. And so Paul is dealing with that. He says, it, uh, for he has not put the world to come of which we speak in subjection to angels. And there are some believers among us who always talk about angels. Lord, release your angels, release your angels. I, I want to just tell them things, you know. <clears throat> I have to keep a good attitude about it, but I want to say, you know, Kayase, you know, something like that. You know, you know, like, be quiet, you know. Um, that's a nice way of saying it. Uh, but so Paul is saying this because we get caught up into things that sound good but are not good. I never found anywhere in Scripture where you and I have the ability to release angels to do things. We have the name of Jesus Christ, and that's what we need. And Jesus will release whatever needs to be released. Amen. Uh, we're talking about Christ, glory, and honor. Now, listen. Verse 6, Paul is, um, or the writer, rather, of Hebrews, is speaking of, of, of the psalm, Psalm 8. And he says, But one testified in a certain place, saying, What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, and set him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection unto him, he left nothing. What does he say? He, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we do not yet see all things put under him. Now what Paul is showing us is, taking, is giving us a New Testament interpretation of Psalm 8. He is not just saying that, that mankind uh, is over the works of God's hands. He is showing us how that transpires, how that takes place, because he is talking about Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment of that psalm. We have to understand that in the Old Testament, we see truth, but we, we can't see it really clearly. We don't quite grasp it. But the apostles and the prophets have taught us how to interpret Scripture. They always interpret Scripture not through a biblical lens per se, but through a Christological lens. So they always see everything that God wrote through, the, through Jesus. And that's how they get a proper view of it. Amen? And I think what also helped 
helped them do that was when Jesus rose from the dead. Remember, uh, Luke records it in Luke 24, how Jesus explains it to uh, those disciples that, uh, that all of the scripture, uh, Moses' writings, uh, the Psalms, and all the prophets was about him. And uh, he gave that understanding, it was about him. And so let me just say very quickly that, that the sin issue for us has been dealt with at the cross, and we must believe that. So now what we're going to do, we're going to go on to greater productivity. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we have this amazing foundation on whom we are built, and that's these great building materials are really the materials that are building us, and that is Christ Jesus. All right. I, I, I get excited. Paul says, I mean, the writer, rather, keep, I keep wanting to say Paul. We don't know for sure. But now we do not yet see all things put under him. Is what I, I gather from uh, this particular verse, uh, verse 8, uh, 8b, is that we don't see all things yet. That's because we are a part of the doing of it. We are part of the doing of it. I, I find sometimes believers make too much of who we are because everything that you are, you are in Christ, and you cannot say too much about you unless you give the prerequisite Jesus Christ. Amen? So Jesus Christ is that. Uh, I hope uh, none of you, I, I'm, I, I trust, uh, get tired of me talking about Jesus, right? When I was a little boy, I used to always talk about my dad. I told you all this story years ago. I always bragged on my daddy. Always bragged on my daddy. Little boy, was a little, I was in those days, I was really bow-legged, you know, I was walking around telling everybody, my daddy, 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 my daddy. And then one, one night I dreamed that I'd gone to hell for bragging. That's a true story. And I was sitting in the bleachers, waiting to be sent into hell, rather. And, uh, and I was uh, crying out. I stopped bragging like that. All right. But, but, but Jesus is so important. He is instrumental to everything that we believe and everything we'll do. And what Paul is doing here is setting those Corinthians straight. Um, so we do not yet see th all things put under him, but we are seeing them, all right, in real time. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, may, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. So Jesus was made a little bit lower than angels. And so those people who are touting angels says, no, he was made a little bit lower for the suffering of death, and uh, that he... By the grace of God. Now let's look at what grace is. By the grace of God, Jesus might taste death for everybody. Jesus might swallow death. That he might experience death for every one of us. Not one of us here who belongs to Jesus will suffer the pains of death. Amen. This is our foundation. This is, this, is amazing this is amazing stuff, great reality. Now let me show you a little bit more, and I, I'm, I'm moving a little fast. Am I going, talking too fast for you? Okay, moving a little fast. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, let's go there, and we'll start in verse 12. All of it is good. I told you when I first met Brother Stan back one day, I asked him, I said, hey, 
uh, Stan, let me use your Bible for a minute. And I got his Bible, and I looked at it. The whole thing was underlined and, uh, and colored. I said, what in the world? You've got the whole thing covered, colored. What, what is this? He said, that's because it's all good. So, so it's all good, but I'm, I'm going to start in verse 12. Now, if Christ is preached, now we've dealt with death here in uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 2, verse 9. But here he says, now, if or since Christ is preached, that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? So, so, so what we want you to understand is that Christ rising from the dead is Christ's vindication, and our, and our faith is built on the fact, predicated on the fact. It, it is substantiated by the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. If Christ did not rise from the dead, we're just some crazy people here. Mm -hmm. And so that is foundational to our faith, that Christ died uh, and rose again. So how can a believer say that there is no resurrection of the dead? So Paul is answering this very powerfully. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. So what Paul is saying to us, just as surely as Jesus Christ rose from the dead, you will have a resurrection body. You will have a body like his. You will have a resurrection like his. That's a glorious thing. I mean, sometimes when we talk about resurrection, I don't know if we're just stunned about it or we've heard it so many times, but we just kind of look, you know. I'm not talking about you necessarily. But we just kind of look. I mean, we're dead. You're getting up from the dead. Can you imagine if you've been cremated and they scattered your ashes all in the ocean? When, when Jesus comes back, it's going to all come together. That's huge and powerful. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? What if some tree, you now your ashes are part of some tree bark. You're going to come out of that into a fully functional human being. That's what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. Wow. So he says, if there's... If there's no resurrection of the dead, then, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty. And your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God. Wow, that's a nice way of saying we are found liars. Because we have testified. We have testify. I have testified. You have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up if, in fact, the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. He reiterates that. He wants you to get that reality. Then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, good for nothing. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. You see, we teach that, that Christ is the antidote to perishing. But if he has not risen, then no, he's perished and we will perish. So the resurrection was God's validation 
that the redemption paid by Christ on the cross was accepted. So it was God's validation. I like to say it was Christ's vindication and God's validation. If in this life only the apostle says we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. And what he wants, this, what he is saying to us, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, then why are we suffering all these things? Why do we, the people of God, go through? The scripture says we suffer for Christ's sake. And what that means is we suffer for the cause of Christ. We go through things. There is no such thing as a suffering-less Christianity. If we suffer with him, we will reign with him. And all who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. All. If you're, brother, sister, if you're not suffering, you're not living godly. I said, if you're not suffering, you're not living godly. If everybody likes you in the world, the world likes you, the world loves you, everything is going your way in the world system, you're not godly. Because all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Let me talk about this foundation because our, our amazing foundation um, was resurrected on the third day and uh, God, God has, has validated his sacrifice by raising him from the dead because if, if his sacrifice was not worthy, he would have still been in the grave. Every other so-called prophet or deity is still in the grave. That's huge, isn't it? So there are masses of people who are believing a lie, and we should give it to them rather than vilify them. Let's talk about the last enemy. 1 Corinthians 15, let's look at verse 20, verses 20 through 28. But now Christ is risen from the dead. And so he emphatically, he, with great emphasis, he says, now Christ is risen from the dead. And not only is he risen, but and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep or of those who have died. He's become the first fruits. And this is what Paul wants us to understand, is that first fruits always talk of quality and always, as it were, prophesies of a greater crop. So what Paul is telling us is that there's a greater crop. Now, what I'm saying is if you live life, a life built on these truths, then you will always be successful. No, nothing that the enemy throws at you will ever disturb you to the point of you stumbling. Verse 21 says, For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. So it was important that God became a man. Because by man came uh, death. Death came to the earth through man. And by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Now, now the universalists totally misunderstand, totally misconstrue this scripture. They say, well, see, everybody, no matter how bad they've been, they're going to be resurrected and God's going to make them go to heaven. They don't say it like that, but that's what it means. But what this scripture means is everybody who is related by natural birth to Adam experiences, everyone experiences death because of Adam's sin. Everyone 
who is related to Adam by natural birth experiences death because of Adam's sin. And those who are related to Christ by spiritual birth will experience resurrection because of Christ. That's what he's saying. In Christ, all will be made alive. But we're talking about relationship. Those who are related to Adam, yes, they die. Those who are re related to Christ will live, will have resurrection. Paul says, but each one in his own order. And he reiterates again, Christ the firstfruits. And he wants you to know that Christ is risen from the dead. But Christ the firstfruits. Afterward, afterward, those who are Christ at his coming. Those who are Christ, those who belong to Jesus at his coming. You and I have a great day coming. So then what, what the scripture does, the scripture gives us this amazing information, this wonderful information, so that we will persevere, so that we will go through whatever we're going through, so we won't quit on the way. Come on, you know, when Jesus rose from the grave, he showed himself to his disciples. He didn't show himself to everybody. He showed himself to witnesses chosen by God. He showed himself to his disciples to say, look, I, I beat death. Death didn't beat me. The grave is over there, and I'm over here. And for Thomas, he says, come here. Stick, put your hand, your fingers here in the nails in my hand. Stick your hand in my side. That's amazing. He says, stick it in my side. Huh? So he's, he's informing us so that we will be strong in the day of trouble. So Paul says, or the, uh, Paul says to the Corinthians that, that Christ, the first fruits afterwards, those who are Christ's at his coming. Then he says, he, he makes a, a, a tough a, 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 a statement here. I think that we need to really look at it and uh, from this point on really understand. Then comes the end, he says. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and authority and power. So he puts an end to, or you could say, then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. So, so when you see this stuff, that's going on in the world. You see all of these kingdoms and you see all the craziness. Don't be a partaker of that. Don't, don't, don't feel like it's your responsibility. We do have a responsibility as citizens to live good lives and, and to be, to be uh, good citizens, but we don't have a responsibility to prop up what God is destroying. I'm sure that there's some who would disagree with me, but you can disagree, but you're wrong because the, I just read you the scripture. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying, after putting an end to all rule, all authority and power. All rule, all authority. And power. That's what's, what this is about. You and I are in the kingdom of God. We're part of his everlasting kingdom, his unshakable kingdom. If you just read the newspaper or read your, your, your cell phone or internet, you know that the kingdoms of this world are presently, as I speak, being shaken. But you and I belong to a kingdom that is unshakable. And don't be polluted by the world's lies. 
You've got to hold strongly to what you have believed. Believe firmly and then hold on firmly. Hallelujah. And, and uh, Paul teaches us that um, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we know that, that God has given us this victory. And so we already have victory. It, it may not look like it, but we all, all already have victory. Paul teaches us, gives us an example of, of the law, uh, keeping the heirs, uh, tutoring the heirs, and, and he says to us, to the heirs of, of, of salvation, and he says that, he, he shows us a very clear picture that the, an heir to all that the father owns uh, does not look any different than a slave. He said, because you, when you're a child, you don't. You're under tutors, and they're dealing with you, and Maybe, maybe they're chiding you here and there, you know, stop that, stop that little Jimmy, you know, whatever. You know, maybe they are, but then when you become an adult, you're ready for your inheritance. And so, and so he shows us that clear picture. It may not look like that we are who we are, but we are who we are. We are who God says we are. Now notice he says in verse 25, for he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. Jesus must reign. He's, uh, he's on the throne of God. He must reign until he's put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. We, it needs more explanation. Death has already been dismantled. It's been abolished. But there's coming a, a day in the future that it, there won't be any bodily death or nothing. Because right now we still have bodily death, but, but our spirit man is alive. Our spirit goes to be with the Lord immediately, and we are present and conscious with God. But listen to what he says. For he, God, has put all things under his feet, under Christ's feet. But when he says all things are put under him, it is evident that he who put all things under him is accepted. So the Father is not put under him. Now, when all things are made subject to him, then the Son himself will be will also be subject to him who put all things under him, that God may be all in all. And when you read that, I mean, it really, for the, the serious uh, believer, it causes some, some problem there. What do you mean? Then the Son, uh, after the Son of God conquers everything, then he also uh, will be subject to the Father and put all, who put all things under him so that God would be, may be all in all. It probably looks like that Jesus gives everything to God the Father, and he joins the rest of us as one of us. Just It's a little bit of truth, but that's not right. And, and so let me show you a few things. When God is all in all, the new creation will be consummated, and the resurrection Christ will and the church will share in that experience. So, so Jesus will share with us in our experience that everything has been consummated. But it does not mean that Jesus now will be a regular just like us, because remember, he has been anointed with the oil of gladness above his fellows, right? He has been anointed above us, all right? All right. Romans eleven thirty six tell us, uh, tells us, for of him, for of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. And he's speaking of Christ. The NIV renders Revelation 21, 23 this way. 
Because if you really want to understand what Paul means in, in, in his letter to the Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians, you have to understand it as it relates to Revelation, the revelation that John got. In Revelation 21, 23, the NIV says, the city does not need the sun or the moon. That's after everything is consummated. Every enemy is destroyed. Every enemy. There are no more enemies. No more. <laughs> and so, God, so Jesus gives it back. So, so he gives everything to the Father, but something new begins. So the city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. So you see Jesus now at that juncture. He's given everything back to the Father again. I, and I taught on this in the past, he, you know, how he kept giving things to the Father. He had all things walking the earth. All authority was given him as he walked the earth as a man. He walked the earth, and God had delivered everything on his shoulders. He, was, he looked just like other, uh, every other man who was walking around, but the future uh, of heaven and earth were dependent on him. It just blows me away. And, and when he, so when, before he died, he prays in John chapter 17. He gives everything back to the Father, right? He says, keep them in, your, in, your, in the name you've given me. Keep them. It's like saying, I'll be back after a while, Father, after I go into death. And then when he comes out of death, God, again, gives him even more as it seems. It seems he gives him more than he had before because now he has now dismantled death, which was not dismantled before. And so now you, you have another phase coming where, where, and we are in that phase where he destroys, this is our foundation I'm talking about. He destroys all rule, all power, all authority, totally obliterates it, removes it. And, and then now he is the lamp of God. He is the lamp of God. And I like to call us not the lamb company, which we are, but the lamp company. So what that means is God now expresses himself through the Son of God and all his redeemed fellows. That's what that means. Revelation 22.1 says, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. I wanted to read that because in, in the very final days, the very final hours, then you're going to see Jesus. He's seated on the throne. So when Paul says he handed over, yes, but something even new develops. Now Jesus is the lamp of God, and God the Father Amen. is the light. Hallelujah. I want to reiterate, Paul in, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, where he says he is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation has all authority. He has sovereignty. For by him, Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. For the thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We appreciate you. We appreciate you. I pray that somebody's heart has been touched today. 
knowing that that you have done marvelous things you, you have just been so powerful and, and you've blessed us immensely we want to thank you for it and we just pray that somebody's encouraged today to continue living uh, this Christian life and not making a peace treaty with human weakness not saying well I'm just a man I'm just a woman I I, I just can't help it I I, I know I pray today that, that they would see that the one who lives inside of us is the great overcomer. He is the one who is victorious over everything that has caused us issues. And I want to thank you for him, Jesus, today. And I pray that somebody would, would come to him today. In Jesus' name, somebody would come to him today. Somebody who doesn't know him will know him better and deeper. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I want to ask you if there's anybody here, you've heard the message today. I wasn't on my bike today, I was on my motorcycle moving pretty fast. But if you've heard the message today and it has affected your heart, I, I want you to just raise your hand and say, I just want to give my life to Jesus. Is there anybody here? I want to give my life to Jesus. Let, let me see your hand. Help me to see anybody's hand. Is there anybody here today you want to say, look, Pastor, I'm getting it, I'm getting it, I'm getting it, I'm really getting it. You don't have to raise your hand. It won't hurt my feelings if you don't. But if you say, I'm really getting it, I want you to just raise your hand and say, and just to, as a testimony to the Lord that you are understanding what he's saying. And this is what's going to happen to you. This is what's going to happen for you. You're, you're going to become stronger and stronger in the Lord. And you're going to have experiences that the, the trouble that's in this world is like nothing. I'm telling you, that's, that's, that's what awaits you. I know you're experiencing it now, but you're going to experience it in a deeper way. I mean, it's like, how can there be fear when good things happen for you? You're wonderful. When bad things happen, you're unshaken. I mean, I mean, that's, that's when you're really living. So, so let's walk this thing out. Amen? Amen. We're going to receive.